The government is seeking public partnership qualifications for who will design, build and maintain the 15 kilometer subway line. Minister of Transportation Caroline Mulroney says they're one step closer to realizing their transit vision and creating tens of thousands of jobs as Ontario recovers from COVID-19. The Ontario line will extend from Ontario Place to the Ontario Science Centre with 15 potential stations and connections to go transit, the TTC and Eglinton Crosstown LRT. The government previously stated the Ontario line will cost $10.9 billion and be delivered by 2027 with the TTC responsible for day-to-day -day operations. Brianna Carnegie, Global News. All right, let's welcome in our friend Steve Monroe, a Toronto Transit advocate. He joins us now for more on this on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Steve, good afternoon. Good afternoon. All right, given the current situation, are you surprised by today's announcement? Um, well, not really. I think that uh, the the government has made it quite clear uh, just by their their actions on on how they're handling public participation and consultation on the Ontario line that they want to get this project rolling absolutely as fast as possible, uh, and uh, so that they're they're not really interested in hearing about alternative designs. They're not interested in hearing about alternative alignments. They're going to build it like yesterday. Uh, one of the other related announcements, of course, was the deal with Richmond Hill uh, to build the Richmond Hill extension of the Young Street subway. And something that we already know uh, is that there is no way that the subway can be extended and more demand placed on the lower part of the Young Line if there isn't major relief from a parallel line, uh, uh, what's now called the Ontario Line, originally the relief line going up to Don Mills and Eglinton. So... You know, there. This is really sort of the the other side of the same coin. Of uh, you, you know, it's the Richmond Hill line. You'd better get that Ontario line out there fast. Yeah, but is this pre-pandemic thinking in the post-pandemic, or I mean, we're in the middle of it uh, still, uh, obviously here. But uh, moving forward, seems to me there's a couple of big questions. First of all, at eleven billion dollars, can we still afford this? And secondly, what does the future of public transit, Steve, look like? And let me ask you about the latter. Will people still be using public transit like we thought pre-pandemic? Well, um, in the time frame of building a line that's not going to be open till later in the, in the 2020s, I don't think we really know what the transportation situation is going to look like a couple of years from now. Um, if you go down one path and say, you know, sort of, we'll be back to business as usual. Well, there there will be demand. Now, there will be some shift to working from home, but there's huge numbers of businesses that simply can't operate that way. And I'm not entirely sure employees would like to operate that way either. So in that, in that version, you know, where you get a vaccine or where COVID magically disappears or however it goes away and, and ceases to be a threat, then you can see over time the city coming back to you know more or less what we were seeing before. If, on the other hand, this is a very long-term issue that it's simply not safe to be in crowds, it's not safe to be out you know traveling around in crowded transit vehicles, that has far more uh, extensive implications for how every part of society operates. I mean, imagine you cannot have sports games, you cannot have concerts, you can't have theater, you can't have picnics, you, you know, just the list is endless if we have to go on um, forever uh, distancing the way we do because we're afraid of infecting each other with COVID. So um, I'm, I'm kind of glass half full, glass half empty, 
again, I think it's too soon to know which of those futures we're going to see. So should we be moving forward with this uh, project until uh, we know with as much that, certainty that, as that we I possibly can? An, well, and it's also, and that ties in with the, the first part of your question, is about how we afford this. Um, there's, there's only so much we can, we can spend money on. And there's also, I think, you know, some of the, the big transit projects are being pitched as, you know, this is job creation, it's post-COVID recovery, ta-da-ta-da-ta. A big issue with these is that the actual, uh, the job creation that happens is several years away because we're still in the design phase. There's the, you know, the, until you actually start building stuff, you're not employing a huge number of people. And if you basically want to create employment, there are probably better ways you can spend money to put people to work than building a subway tunnel uh, in terms of the numbers of people employed and employed soon rather than later. Um, then the question is, I mean, the, the Ontario government has been quite clear, and they were in the press release for, for this, this announcement. You know, they're still looking for the federal government to come in for 40% of the cost, and the federal government is by no means saying, oh, yeah, we're there for you. Um, and there is, there is also, you know, they're going to be looking for 20% from the city. Well, hello, uh, where are this is not just an Ontario government issue. This is three governments. And then you've got this business that Metrolinx has been pushing lately where, you know, they're not sure that some of the stations will actually get built unless they can get private sector interest in, um, you know, co-locating development at the stations and helping to pay for the stations. Well, tell me about all this private sector development that's going to occur and is, you know, just chomping at the bit to develop new new space for for offices or residences uh, around this line and i think that there are so many financial uncertainties that it, you kind of scratch your head and say yeah you're going to call for requests for proposals and you know get interested bidders but who's actually going to pay for this at the end of the day well, well absolutely that is a major question and whether or not people riders will return and will they use this i mean we've seen Sadly, businesses are closed down. Uh, Sidewalk Labs just down the street from us, uh, folded shop. I mean, there's just so many examples that our economy and our way of life is in the middle of a radical shift and a, and a change. You know, we just don't know. We, we've talked about, uh, you know, a couple of times during the pandemic on the show whether or not companies are going to return to these office towers. Does it make financial sense for them to be paying all this money per square foot to uh, house employees who could work from home? Don't we need some sort of answer to all of those questions before we really, truly move forward? I think so. Well, a good example on the Ontario line particularly um, Sidewalk Labs, that's near you, is, is, is basically at Parliament and uh, Lakeshore. You go across to the east side of the Don River, not very far away, is the old Lever Brothers site, which was to be East Harbor, a huge development that was, it was originally going to be Great Gulf, and now it's Cadillac Fairview has taken that over, that was supposed to be like a second downtown Toronto, east of the city. Um, I'm kind of scratching my head and wondering how viable that proposal is, and yet the Ontario line, a big calling card of the Ontario line is to have a station in the middle of this East Harbor development that might not happen or might not happen on anywhere the time frame that's being talked about. All right, if this project is going ahead, and there's a lot of ifs and a lot of buts that we've detailed over the last couple of minutes in our conversation here, how does the project, do you think, need to change, Steve? Do we need to really start thinking about how... Subway cars are built and organized, and how people are going to assemble inside these cars. Uh, 
I would go so far as to say, if you cannot get back to the point of, you know, I want to say we're going to pack them in, but that you can have reasonably crowded subways, the whole issue of, of uh, big-ticket rapid transit projects ceases to make sense because the, the number of people you can carry with them is far too small for the amount of money you invest in them. Now, that has its own problem because, you know, there's been people saying, well, you know, they'll just drive. Well, there's no road space, and the roads are crowded as it is, let alone if you take all the people who were formerly on the subway uh, and put them, uh, you know, put them in their own cars on the street. So uh, if, we're, if, if we're not out of the woods on, on being able to return to something like, quote-unquote, normal in, in packing on, on buses and streetcars and subway trains, you really got to wonder why you would build a line that doesn't make sense if you can't carry tens of thousands of passengers an hour. Something else that has to make sense is the price of transit. And again, this is something we've talked about, it seems, ad nauseum on the show, and we pointed to uh, different jurisdictions and countries that actually have, uh, I'll call it free transit, but obviously it's completely funded by the uh, taxpayer. You can just get on and get off to incentivize people to use public uh, transit. They have to remain, despite the fact they're going to spend $11 billion here, price competitive or attractive, or, or people just aren't going to use it. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I mean, one of the other things that's been lurking behind the scenes, uh, and this is this is actually an issue already with the Eglinton Crosstown line that is under construction, we really don't know what, if anything, the province is going to charge the city or the, you know, the TTC, um, for the, in effect, for the use of the line that they're building for us. Uh, you know, to what extent are they going to try to recoup the cost of building the line? Now, normally, capital costs have never been part of, of fares. But if suddenly someone gets the idea that they want the riders to help pay back the billions of dollars that it costs to build this thing, that will have a huge effect on fares. And Metrolinx and Queen's Park have been completely silent on what kind of financial arrangement we're going to be looking at once all of these billions are spent and lines actually open. All right, Steve Monroe, Toronto Transit Advocate. Steve, really appreciate the time and the perspective as always. Thanks so much. You're welcome. Thank you.